Well, spring is finally here. I've downgraded my heavy winter coat for a light spring jacket and I'm ready for the new beginnings the season brings. Talking of new beginnings, you will have noticed by now that I'm not LJ. This is very sadly LJ's last ever pod before she moves on to pastures new. She'll be dropping by a bit later to say goodbye, but for now, I'm Kerry Eustace. Welcome to Careers Talk. Joining us in the studio this week is Catherine Tubb. She runs an organisation that finds development work for volunteers in Africa, Asia and Latin America. The people I work with have decided they want to change their careers or they want to build up their skills and are using volunteering again to sort of prove themselves in practice to future employers. Pick the poster is Miss Downey, an undergraduate studying law who has since realised they want to write drama for television. There are some people who say that TV is one of the worst inventions in the world because all families are sat around the box, not really doing anything, not really communicating. But I completely disagree. Freddie Grinter will be dropping in to reveal the job's top ten. And of course, we'll have Julian Lindley, who will be explaining the crucial importance of having a game plan. But first, I'm joined in the studio by Alison White, who works as a moderator on Guardian.co.uk. Hi. Are you all right? I'm well. How do you feel to be in your first podcast? Oh, I'm very excited to join you today. I've been a fan for a few months now. <laughs> good, good to hear. I like fans. So what Q&A have you picked out? Well, I picked out food and beverage, which was a very successful discussion. It's a sector close to all our hearts. There can't be many people. <laughs> yeah, I like food and beverage, definitely. <laughs> As one of our experts did say, it accounts for one in 14 UK jobs. So That's quite a significant number then. Yeah, a very successful sort of hiring area, I'd imagine, if you're looking for a career in that sort of area. Tell me a little bit about who you had on the panel. What sort of experts took part? Oh, well, it's a great um, mixture, really, for anyone who wanted to get involved. We had three experts from the Hilton which gave really good advice, all very different backgrounds, so they're very well placed to advise Yeah, everybody. that's the hotel and hospitality chain, is it? They that's yeah. it, yeah, Hilton Worldwide, so, you know, great place if you want a career overseas as well, so... And we had two that were very close to my heart, the bar industry. We had Alistair Tatton, who worked for Mixology, which runs cocktail classes and events. Very um, nice. Yeah. Very <laughs> nice. Even better, I think. James Bishop, hire the barman, bespoke barman hire for your wedding or party. Get someone there to shake up some Just nice Just a Friday drinks. night at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and we also had uh, People First, the Sector Skills Council for Hospitality, and also a representative from Oxford Brooks Union for anyone looking to follow the education yeah, training provider. You mentioned career changes was a theme. What sort of other themes were there or popular topics that people were talking about? Well, the interesting thing were a lot of people were looking, um, they were wondering how to break in, whether better to pay for a cookery school or whether they should go into a job and then get the training there, training from the bottom, really, mm. which is very interesting. And, and there's another theme that I noticed where people were wanting to start their own business and as well as it being food and drink, they just needed to know the skills you need starting any business, really, accounting or all the regulations and rules. So, yeah. Did you pick any posts out that you quite liked? Any good questions that had some great advice? Yes, one in particular I thought was interesting from Gesper, who she worked as an associate producer for several years in the city, a bit bored of city life now, and really wants to work at teaching children how to cook. Oh. An interesting question she was asking, really, how to do this. She thought maybe she could be a teacher's assistant, but could she specialise? And the panel weren't overly sure about that. But she was also thinking, should we set up her own cookery school? And some great advice, really, because people were keen to point out the fact that working with children does bring its own problems. Um, you know, you need to be mm. CRB checked. 
is a quite a hot topic at the moment as well, working with children. But one particular expert pointed out that you could work freelance, perhaps in your own spare time, offering services to schools, maybe on paid. But you could also approach local colleges for their facilities. So you know, got a bit of help there. Yeah, that's pretty good advice. Sort of going out and setting up on your own, starting small with workshops and that sort of thing, and then hopefully growing it. That's it, because our、um, poster did point out she wasn't in it for the money. It's just something she's interested in. But another opportunity that might land on her doorstep is James Bishop, high the barman, says he actually runs classes for children who he lets them like mix up cocktails, non-alcoholic, of course. <laughs> Glad that was clarified. Yeah. <laughs> And he's saying once she's up and running, why don't they get in touch? See if they can work together on something. That's so. brilliant. So she made a contact there that、yeah. she could pursue. I love that. Definitely.、Um, what about top tips? So if you want to work in food and beverage, what were their sort of top tips for the industry? Well, some great advice there, really, especially addressing the question of whether you should pay for yourself or get in a job. A lot of people are pointing out once you're in a kitchen, there's good schemes for. Tying up at local colleges, perhaps getting yourself an MVQ. Hilton themselves run internal and external accreditation schemes.、Um, yeah, a great tip from Dino Michael. He's talking about training. He's telling people do what works for you. You know, you might prefer the classroom approach, learning in a nice cookery school and a nice progressive way, or perhaps you might prefer the heat of the kitchen. You know, getting stuck in from day one, learning on the job. So he's saying, you know, do what works for you. So that was very good. And one thing I think was worth mentioning is someone's pointed out hotcatuk.com, which is a online community for people who work in hospitality and people who might want to get into it. And they actually run a monthly event where you can network and perhaps find someone who might introduce you to their employer or might tell you more about the sort of things that they're doing. So that's worth a look at www.hotcatuk.com if anyone's interested. Sounds great. Thanks very much. Good advice. No problem. <laughs> Now on to the next instalment of advice from Julian Lindley. This week, he's talking about the importance of being focused about where you want to go. My tip this week is have a game plan. So、uh, each year, I set myself a list of goals that I want to achieve.、Uh, I write them down in a notebook with little tick boxes next to them. And because you've written it down, there's something I think that's uh, very uh, good about writing stuff down because it, then it's almost like making a commitment. You know, we've all set goals at work constantly by our bosses that suit their agendas. So I think it's very good for you to set your own goals that, you know, serve your own personal agenda. And so, some examples of this could be that you know, by the end of the week, I want to have finished this report. I want to have got a quote from this person. I want to have made this contact. You know, a monthly or quarterly goal could be to do with having. Uh, set up a meeting with someone that you think could take your career somewhere else. So, for example, it might be that you want to have ingratiated yourself with the CEO of the company rather than just the managing director. It might be that you want to have got clear in your head about what it is that your next step is. And you know, it's fine to have goals. I think as vague as work out next step. Because obviously you don't know what that is until you start exploring it. But the good thing about putting it into your goals is that you're you're making a job of sorting your future out, and that you know is a very very important task. I'd put that ahead of most other things actually. Sometimes once a week maybe take myself off on my own, sit in a coffee shop away from my computer, my email, and I sit myself down in the coffee shop and I spend an hour, maybe two hours, just. Having a meeting with myself, if you like, brainstorming, thinking, what have I achieved this week? Was that successful or not successful? Could I've done that any better? Okay, what am I going to do this week? What are my, where am I going? You know, what, what's my game plan? It's so valuable because it really. 
gives you it gives your life and your work a focus. So my tip for this week is have a game plan. That was Creative Director at Bauer, Julian Lindley, on the importance of career goals and taking time to plan. Joining me in the studio now is Catherine Tubb. She's the founder and director of Two Way Development, which is a UK-based volunteer organisation that finds work for volunteers in development NGOs, that's non-governmental organisations to you and me, in Africa, Latin America and Asia. Catherine, who has worked as a volunteer herself in Nepal, is an expert in the world of volunteering and international development careers. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. I'm take a deep breath now. <laughs> um, I thought it'd be good to start off talking about your own volunteering experiences in Nepal. You know, but mm. what were you doing there and what was it like? Well, I was there on a year placement with VSO, Voluntary Services Overseas, and it was their Youth for Development programme. So I was 21, I was between the second and third year of my degree, and I really just wanted to sort of take the skills I had, which were very sort of undeveloped. I was still very young, still sort of experimenting with my career, and I wanted to not only just have an experience that was good for me personally to make some decisions, but really build up my skills. And it was great. It was very challenging. One of the hardest things that I've ever had to do, because you're on your own, you're in a totally different environment, you're working, you're making friends, etc., etc. So it was a really positive experience for my career, but also for me personally to figure out who I was in many ways. Yeah, what sort of stuff were you actually doing while you were there? You know, what was the day-to-day like? Well, I was working with an environmental charity called KEEP, the Kathmandu Environmental Education Project, and they receive funding from big organisations like World Wildlife Fund, etc., to implement community projects that address environmental conservation issues as well as community development issues. So after a sort of hard slog, I was put in charge of a project in a national park that was developing a visitor centre for tourists to educate them about the effects they could have on the environment that could be quite harmful, the positive effects that they could have on the community, for instance, in raising income, etc., etc. So my day-to-day was working with my colleagues in generating information for the visitor centre, looking into paint colours for the windowsills and various other different things. It was a very rural-based placement, so it was completely different to anything I'd ever experienced before. So was that the point when you sort of had the idea or decided that you wanted to set up two-way development or did that come later? It came a bit later. I think the seed was planted there because obviously I was a volunteer and I was seeing how voluntary placements were being organised and the the pros and cons of what was going on in the industry at the time. Um, But it wasn't until I started doing a PhD a little bit later, I got a year into the PhD and, and suddenly it all came together and I gave up the PhD and started two-way development. What were you doing your PhD in? I was looking at precisely those issues. So how how can tourism be positive for international development, really? So what happened next? What was the next step when you made that decision? I was doing the PhD in Australia, so I came back to London, started a development studies master's and set up two-way. So for the first two years of two-way development, I was studying so that I could learn about development and um, it was really great for me to, to do that. And so by year three, we were sort of placing volunteers and, and really having an impact. Can you tell us what two-way development does? You know, give us an introduction to the organisation and the work that you're doing. 
It, well, two-way development is really sort of, uh, it was created in response to the lack of, of truly sort of skilled volunteering placements in the UK. So the primary goal is to work with individuals in the UK that have career aspirations in international development and help them um, choose and organise placements that are right for, th- for them and their careers. The other side of it is to work with charities that really, really need skills from outside for for whatever reason and to sort of address those skills gaps through volunteering. So what sort of organisations can you give us a few examples of the people that you are working with overseas? Yeah some of the charities well I we work with a lot of um, charities in Fiji working with environmental issues and there's Cambodia for instance we work with a lot of charities working with trafficking issues there's a, a big problem with trafficking of children across borders from Thailand to Cambodia And then in places like India, we're working with sort of big environmental lobbying charities and then lots and lots of charities in Africa. That's where we have our our majority of our partners that are doing so many different things from microfinance to education, HIV AIDS awareness, some really exciting projects. Yeah, it sounds like some worthwhile work. What sort of roles are the people that come through two-way development doing when Mm. they're um, with those charities? They're very specific. Every charity that I place volunteers with, we we work with them on an ongoing basis. So we have a partnership with them, get to know their needs, get to know their, their sort of organisational challenges and work together in finding the right volunteer to suit their, their needs. So it's things like IT, marketing, business development, training, those types of skills are very important because a volunteer is helping a charity grow and they're either fulfilling a need in a, an organisation where they can't fill that gap, that skills gap locally, or they can't afford to employ somebody with those skills. So they're generally sort of um, very specific requests, but it's not as such that it would rule out graduates. Um, so there are a variety of placements that would suit younger younger people with, with less work experience, but I do work with a lot of people taking career breaks that address a very specific um, need. That was what I was going to ask you ne- next, actually, you know, what mm. people's motivations were for coming to you. You know, what sort of, were they looking for career development? Were they looking to gain experience in international development? What mm. are their motivations sort of primarily, would you say? Primarily career motivations. Um, the people I work with have decided they want to change their careers or they want to build up their skills. And they're using volunteering as a bridge from either co- the commercial sector. So they want to demonstrate their transferable skills in a, a, a sort of social charitable context or with graduates that have got great education but very little work experience and are using volunteering again to sort of prove themselves in practice to future employers. So it it really is a careers-focused audience that I work with. Yeah. Can you give us any examples of the sort of impact that going through one of your programmes has had on one of your volunteers and their career? Yeah, I mean, I've seen lots of people do very different things. We've had Two people been accepted onto the Overseas Development Institute Fellowship Scheme, which is a very competitive scheme where the ODI will send volunteers overseas for two years paid to work on very specific development issues. Two of my volunteers have been accepted on that. Both of them were under 23 years old, so they really used the volunteering to sort of get something quite 
um, get into something quite competitive. I've watched people set up their own businesses when they get back, generally sort of social enterprises, using the skills that they have. Yeah, I mean, most people take quite dramatic career changes, um, particularly those coming from commercial sectors. You know, account. I work with a lot of accountants, people working in media and marketing, and, and just sort of see them going from careers with big companies to careers within charities, which is fantastic for them because they, you know, have changed that element of their lives that's really important. Yeah, it seems like that's the the, the bridge really for them to cross over. Mm. How important would you say that volunteering is to getting into something like international development? Is it sort of a prerequisite? Because it's quite a competitive mm. industry, isn't it? If you haven't it got is. that sort of background, are you going to struggle to get in? It is difficult without volunteering. I think because it's international development, there's a focus on you having an international experience. It's really important, particularly if you're working with, let's say, Charities like Oxfam, Christian Aid, Action Aid that, that have focuses in overseas contexts. That's why it's important to have international experience. If people are wanting to get into the charity sector in general, like they could volunteer in the UK and get, gain the same experiences. So I think volunteering is really important. Yes, a lot of the careers advisors I know will, will say a six-month period of volunteering is often the best way to get your CV up to scratch. And what about the sector generally? You know, is it competitive? Are people are there a lot yeah. of opportunities around at the moment? Would you say in international development? There are, I think, because the sector relies on aid, mainly sort of government aid, private aid. There, there there's a restriction in how many jobs are out there because organisations are, are waiting on funding to conduct activities, and those jobs have gone down in the last. 12 months, the amount of international development jobs on charityjob.co.uk, for instance, has gone down. And that's owing to the recession. But having said that, there's a lot more social enterprises now that's a different sort of angle on international development. There's things like there's a great social enterprise called Pants to Poverty that generate their own income through selling underwear, but they're working in a very sort of social context that they're linking with producers overseas. And that's a way of them interacting with international development and they're not relying on aid. And so there's Jobs with places like that are a little bit easier to get than mm. than going for the traditional sort of charities. I see, because that's quite an emerging sector, isn't it? Social enterprise. I think so it's so, sort of yeah. you can sort of diversify and go in other routes to get into international development. Absolutely, yeah. Can you tell me what you enjoy about working in international development? Why you enjoy it so much? I think because you're on a daily basis dealing with so many different people in different countries, you are thinking outside the box all of the time. It's not, um, you never sort of relax in a routine of working. Um, You're dealing with so many different issues all the time that it does encourage you to think about various different issues that perhaps I take for granted um so yeah it's it's a variety it's feeling like you're you're making some small difference to you know international issues and you know it's I suppose the people working in the sector are very passionate about what they do so I come across some really great people as well what about the difficulties can you give us an insight into what people might the Mm. challenges that people are likely to face if they pursue this I think there's a 
you know, funding is a big issue in international development. So, yes, I mean, it, that, that's a sort of issue. Salaries are, are, are low. Um, you have to be really, really committed to, to get into the sector. And the challenges are that you have to make lots of personal sacrifices. You know, you often have to travel with your job. You have to work strange hours, etc., etc. So that's a, a difficulty. And also your yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky that I'm placing volunteers with charities that are moving forward, that they're, they're changing, they're progressing. But, you know, some of the issues that they work with are very upsetting, very distressing. And some of the things that I hear about that my partners are, are doing and, and difficulties they're facing are very, you know, very emotionally challenging, I suppose. How do you cope with that? And what advice would you give to somebody if they were in the same situation? How can you deal with that? Sort of well, I, th- I think for me, it's, it's I'm t- removed. You know, I work in London most of the time. So there is that element of distance that I do have. But my volunteers are there. They're right there in the thick of it. Um, and within the first six weeks of, of people's placements, I generally communicate with them quite a lot because they are facing big challenges they're culture shocked they're seeing very high levels of poverty um they're working with quite distressing issues and I suppose for them you know all credit goes to them in in getting through some really difficult situations um yeah it must be an amazing sort of transforming experience as well you know especially mm. if your career changing to go into quite a secure environment to dealing with that sort of that environment and those challenges yeah it is hard because as much as I try and encourage people to really really think about the reality of volunteering and some of the people I work with have never been um, overseas to, to to the country that they're going to before it's so different when you're there on your own in a placement to sort of thinking about it planning for it in the UK Lots of people are very shocked and they're very challenged, but they get through it most of the time. Um, some people don't, but most of the people I work with do. And they they are very proud of themselves and they've had this massive achievement. And I'm very proud of them. I mean, one of the biggest positives of my job is helping people that are having really big problems with culture shock, getting through that sort of process and, and really doing a great job with the charity that they're in. Just to sort of finish off, can you share some top tips for people who want to pursue a career like yours or in international development generally? Mm. You know, what things do they need to think about? I think my top tips are to think outside the box. You know, going for a job in a charity is the most obvious route into international development, but it's the most competitive. Have a look at things like social enterprises. Um, think outside that, that normal way of working. See a careers advisor. Um, most people don't, and it's a really valuable thing to do. There's the careers group at the University of London that offer external services, world service inquiries. Sometimes you you know, could have an hour session and really map out your career and stay positive and stay committed and don't get put off by lack of interviews, etc., because it's worth the investment. Yeah, be persistent. Mm. I just wanted to mention, you mentioned the University of London. They've got, got an event coming up, haven't they? Careers yeah. in International Development, and you're going to be there. Can you tell us a bit about that and why mm. people perhaps should go if they're interested in this sector? Yeah, it's an annual event. It's a conference. It's all day on Tuesday the 23rd of March at the Careers uh, at the University of London in King's Cross. Um, it's 
really what Jeff Riley's done, who's the, the director of the careers group, is pulled together lots of different people from the industry. So people that work for charities, people like myself that offer volunteering experiences. And within four or five hours, you get to hear from about nine different people, which is really valuable. And you have sort of breakout sessions where you can meet other people, other people looking for careers, those speakers. So it's it's very useful if you're looking to get into international development. Yeah, give you a flavour of what it's about and the yeah. people that work in it. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Catherine. I hope you'll come back and let us know how, how your organisation's growing and how the sure. sector changes. And Definitely. Thanks very much. Thank you. That was Catherine Tubb of Two Way Development. Now, who's this that's joined me in the studio? I'm sure I know that face. Didn't you used to work here? Ladies and gentlemen, I present our outgoing careers talk queen, LJ Filatrani. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you think I'm getting on in your chair presenting? I think you're doing a very good job. I'm obviously not needed. And uh, I think you're doing a great job, Kerry. Oh, thank you. Today's your last day. What are you? This is. What, what are your plans? Are you having drinks? And what are you up to in the next few days? Uh, yep, we're having drinks uh, this evening to say goodbye to people. And I think for people to make sure that I'm actually leaving the building. <laughs> escorted. Uh, escorted. Escorting me out. Um, I'll be handing in my security pass. Ooh. And uh, that will be it. I'll be leaving the building. So, yeah. Got a couple of weeks before I start my new job and I will be very nervous um, but it doesn't really feel real yet but you're obviously. off to the arctic circle first I am off to the arctic circle <laughs> a bit, of, a bit so, of holiday time yeah so hopefully I'll come back from there and <laughs> yes, uh, not get lost in in the uh, your husky goes in the woods astray yep I'm going on a husky a husky ride to see the northern lights hopefully are you gonna miss us um, <laughs> um no 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 <laughs> of course I'll miss you of course I'll miss you yeah I will miss everybody yeah. um and any time that I've left a job I haven't um left the people that I've been working with I've kind of carried on keeping in contact with people so it's not really uh, a goodbye it's just a change of scenery really yeah absolutely and we're gonna miss you too and likewise we're gonna be following you around still don't worry you're not allowed to follow me anymore <laughs> that's it Kerry end of the line leave me alone <laughs> Um, just to finish off, have you got any parting messages for the Careers Talk listeners? Um, well, you've told me I'm not allowed to say come to you, <laughs> and no, that you're, you go, you're going to cut that out of the edit. <laughs> what? I um, don't know what you're talking but about. But that is my passing message. Come and listen to me on my new site. <laughs> um, have I got anything? Uh, no, just to carry on listening and to get involved. And, um, you know, I think that all of the people that have been part of making the the community it's been brilliant and I hope that it continues to grow as much as it has done and uh, I think it's an absolutely fantastic resource and uh, really positive and I hope you are extremely successful in the coming 12 months. Thank you very much good luck we'll be thinking of you. Thank you. Moving on before we get too sad and sniffly let's have a look at the jobs top 10. Here to fill you in on the posts with the most this week, we have Alison and Freddie Grinter from Guardian Jobs. Opening the chart at number 10 is an accounts payable assistant role at the online luxury fashion retailer Net A Porter. You'll preferably have knowledge of the accounting's programme Sun Systems and a good grasp of accounting concepts. In at 9, the Greenwich-based commercial and documentary film company Lonely Leap is looking for a studio manager. 
Responsibilities will include studio scheduling, project management, and building and strengthening client relationships at this small but expanding company. Number eight offers the chance to work for a charity recently named Best to Work For at the Charity Times Award. Children's charity Save the Children needs a proposal writer to join its strategic funding team. Number seven is a head of climate change policy and campaigns post at the RSPB, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. At six, employment agency Baden Ock and Clark is looking for a head of architecture to work within a local authority. Middle of the chart at number five, Open Age, a user-led charity providing leisure, training and employment opportunities for older people in central London, is looking for energetic, proactive and creative development workers for its carers leisure project. There are two posts, both part-time. A digital role at four. A respected London-based publication requires a talented HTML email designer to join its marketing department. From London to Copenhagen for three. The University of Copenhagen needs an associate professor of law to focus on social welfare law. A top job at the BBC comes a close second at number two. BBC Northern Ireland is looking for a head of drama who will be responsible for television drama output targets. Top of the jobs at one is the National Management Training Scheme, run by the National Skills Academy for Social Care, supported by the Department of Health. This training scheme aims to attract the executives of the future into a career in social care. A year of management and leadership experience will be provided for 25 graduates, hosted by employers around the country. You can find out more about these jobs at guardianjobs.co.uk. And we'd love to hear from you if you do apply. So let us know how you get on by sending an email to careers at guardian.co.uk. Time for Pick the Poster now. This week I spoke to Miss Downey. I picked her out because she's studying law at university but has since realised she actually wants to get into TV. Here she is talking about her decision to change career before she's even graduated. From a young age I've just loved writing and I want to take it somewhere professionally. Um, also, I'll always have law there, you know, as a backup. It's, it's a fascinating topic. I love doing it. But my real goal is to get into script writing. There are some people who say that TV is one of the worst inventions in the world because if all families are sat around the box, not really doing anything, not really communicating. But I completely disagree. I mean, it's such a great medium for, co- like, contacting the world, really. Um, I mean, could you imagine a world without it? I know people say, oh, we'd, be, we'd interact more, but... Sometimes TV does cause people to interact. They talk about what they've seen, whether it's a soap or the news. And something else I do like about it is um, the creativity that goes behind it. I, without blowing my own trumpet, I'm quite a creative person. I just need an outlet for that, really. Otherwise, I'm just scribbling stuff in the back of notebooks and just climbing up the walls at home. Mm-hmm. There's just somewhere to let that out would be really good. And I just think TV is a great medium for doing that. All right, so what sort of advice have you been given on the forum about how to go from law to script writing? Well, a lovely lady called Jo Taylor actually replied to me. Um, She mentioned something called a scheme called The Network, which I actually applied for last night. What it is, it's a four-day weekend in Edinburgh in the summer, which is based around television, and there'll be... um, people who are experienced in the field there and it's a chance to well network really that was quite helpful actually because I didn't actually know about the network so it was good to hear about that yeah that's a good start any other advice that you have from Joe or anyone else on the forum or you know what's your next step going to be right now I'm focusing on finishing my degree um graduating with a good mark um after that I'll sort of be looking into work experience or internships whether in the UK or abroad just any sort of experience I could get would be really good and all, they always say like you never know where these things lead 
So the more of them I do, possibly the more opportunities I'll get. So that'll be my main focus after I graduate, I think. All right, let's move on to uh, your quick fire round now. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Okay, so <laughs> what was the first job that you ever had? First job I ever had was working in the cinema in my area. What's the best job that you've ever had? Um, probably that one, I have to say, just because no two days were the same. Um I got on with all members of staff, like all the staff there were like my age and they were such fun people. Even the management, they were great. They were just really fun to be around. And I, I did, sometimes I'd do shifts from 12 midday to 12 midnight and I wouldn't even care just because the day would be so fun and so varied. So that would probably be the best job. All right. Um, what's more important to you, salary or job satisfaction? Job satisfaction. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, you're silly. If you need the money, you've got to stick out a job that you don't like. But... I just say we only get one life, right? So you either do something else or stick with what you've got. And why stick with what you've got if you don't like it? So, What if you won the lottery tomorrow? Would you still go to work? Yeah, I would. A, I'm not very good with money, so I'd need a backup somewhere. B, whether you want it to or not, your lottery money's going to run out. So you, need, you do need something to fall back on. And see, where I work is two weeks' notice, so I'd kind of have to go back anyway. <laughs> you wouldn't want to let them down. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good trait. Very employable. Thank you. What's the best piece of careers advice that you've ever been given? Oh, there's actually two. Uh, one was from my mum. She basically says to always have a plan B. Like, she knows what I really want to do, but she says have something to fall back on in case it doesn't work out, you know, so you're not stranded or left without any other options. So that was good. Um, the second one was actually because um, I watched the Oscars last week and there was this guy and he said, oh, my parents always said to me, be creative because it's not a waste of time. So if you want to be creative, just go ahead and do it. So I thought that was, that was really good. And that's actually what even spurred me on to start, you know, really looking into how I can make script writing happen for me. So I thought that was, that was a really genuine, genuinely good piece of careers advice, I think. All right, we're, we've come to the time where you can pitch yourself to a potential employer in right. 30 seconds. Okay. So whenever you're ready, off you go. I'm a law graduate looking into getting into writing for television. Employers don't ask for much in an employee. They only have to be hardworking, enthusiastic, punctual, passionate and experienced. Yes, there are things about me I would change, but I see negatives as positives. I'm a perfectionist, or any task I undertake is done to the best of my ability. I'm talkative, or I enjoy meeting new people and forming professional friendships. I ask questions often, or I have a desire to learn more. If I were to work for you, I would give you better than that previous list. You will get nothing less than 100%, not much to ask for in an employee. Well, I'd give you a job if I worked in TV. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Definitely. I think you, you're so enthusiastic and I really hope that you get the, the writing job that you want and I hope that you get through into the network and enjoy that experience oh, as well. thank you so much. Thank you. Miss Downey there talking to me earlier this week. Before we finish, there's just enough time for Alison to tell us what's coming up in the Career Forums next week. March 25th, our experts will be offering advice on returning to work. For those coming back, perhaps from maternity leave, redundancy, travelling or periods of illness. March 29th, we're running a Q&A on moving between the public and private sector. We'll have employers from each sector and experts on transferable skills. Very nice. That brings us to the end of the show. All that's left is to thank our guests, Catherine Tubb, Julian Lindley, Freddie Grinter from Guardian Jobs, Pick the poster, Ms. Downey, and Alison White, who has done a fine job in her first pod. Thanks, Alison. Special thanks, of course, to the lovely LJ, who has been a brilliant Careers Talk presenter. We're going to miss you very much. 
Careers Talk is produced by Kate Taylor. I'm Kerry Eustace. Thanks for listening. <laughs>